and welcome to episode number 17 of the Foodie Flashback, the podcast where I interview people and we talk about food, food-related memories, and just everything that goes with that. And with me, I have someone, I've, I've been on his podcast a couple of times, and I've been very excited. Um, you were on my list from day one. Like I was like, okay, I have to interview Brett at some point. There are stories that I want to hear. <laughs> Uh, that I, there, there's probably something in there that that nobody has ever heard about because usually you talk about like tech, right? Most of the time, at least. Tech Most of the time, yeah. Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I can help it, but it does happen regularly. <laughs> it does happen regularly. Yeah, Brett Hepstar. If you like, haven't heard him, haven't seen him. Um, so, like, if so, if someone really doesn't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Um, I am. Oh boy. Uh, I'm a, a developer. I write Mac apps. I do web development, um, but I also have been blogging and podcasting for enough years that uh, I have a, a voice on the internet. Uh, people in certain circles will recognize my mm -hmm. name, and it's been a oh, <laughs> I think 15 years I've been blogging, and it took wow. took 10 of those before before i felt like anyone was listening so <laughs> i i feel like i've earned i've earned what i've got oh yeah absolutely you have i i i, I mean <laughs> that you consider yourself a developer is i think an understatement <laughs> <laughs> like i mean you create the craziest things and like the the really really cool solutions for everything like i mean it's really interesting I like i like to solve problems that yeah. that's how i would describe myself mm -hmm. a, a habitual compulsive problem solver yeah, absolutely. I think I think that is a pretty good description of <laughs> most developers, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, we're definitely not. I mean, tech might come up today. We never know. Um, but this is not a tech podcast, which I think might be a first for you, right? It's not um, talking about tech. Yeah, probably actually. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Like if you're in the in the tech. So like podcasting area, blogging, whatever you like, usually there's so much to talk about that you rarely ever venture out of it. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, tech, well, technically systematic is probably non-tech if you like, I mean, you've interviewed it, a lot of people non-tech, so. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's true. I've talked to organic farmers who own nothing but a cell phone. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is definitely, yeah. But it's like highly recommended um, systematic. I've, I think, what was it like? two three episodes ago now as as of today yeah that i was I on three yeah, yeah something like that yeah it was definitely i always always enjoy that anyway um as i said we're going to talk about food today and um, the first question i always like to ask is what is your definition of a foodie and do you consider yourself one well, I would consider a foodie someone who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to food who can describe <laughs> like in in coffee and wine people talk about uh like aromas and notes and and aftertaste mm -hmm. and like to me a foodie can do that with food and no i do not consider myself one <laughs> i love food i like to cook i like to eat uh but i, I i'm i'm not i'm not like i love coffee too mm -hmm. I, I I love the process. I love finding the right beans. I get obsessed with coffee, but I don't consider myself an aficionado. Mm -hmm. I always feel like there's so much to learn and there are so many people that are more deserving of such a title. So <laughs> So you don't sit I'm down a, you don't sit down at your kitchen table like with a bowl of soup and then dissect it and like figure out <laughs> I what really it? don't. No, okay. I just go, Oh my god, that's good. <laughs> I have that. I don't remember what the movie was called, but there's there's this movie with Catherine Cedar Jones where they where they do that. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I I remember the German version of it. Like there was a German like before they published that there was like a German Italian like co-production thing. That one was the called Bella Marta, but I don't mostly Martha. I think I think that's. I haven't a, seen that. I yeah. I like pretentious. Uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. I like when people really know what they're talking about and can be like so confident in their own skills that mm -hmm. they can be pretentious. I can appreciate that. I have never felt yeah, comfortable just, doing that. Yeah, it's just but, not you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, 
I, I like to listen to people mm-hmm. dissect their food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I don't <laughs> that, have that the time. That sounds sturdy. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. I mentioned that in the pre-show. Every episode we've had a different definition of a foodie and it's always interesting to see to hear like what what people think what is a foodie like there's apparently no universal thing and like there are people i mean in your case i wasn't sure whether you would consider yourself one uh i, I don't i said I, I don't think you have ever talked about like on your podcast much about food so it's hard to tell yeah. uh like how how invested you are in food but like other people where I've, I've been like, I mean, just like, I think Adam, for example, I think he said like, I, I was like, he's totally foodie. And he's like, no, like, I don't consider myself <laughs> one. Like my definition is different. And it's like, so you never know what you're getting. So sure, that's, that's what makes it interesting. So um, I want to start early in life. Uh, usually because that's kind of kind of interesting to see like where you're coming from. So what, what is like the first thing that you remember food wise? Boiled spinach. Boiled spinach. <laughs> I I was not. I was I, I was a very picky eater as a kid, mm-hmm. um, and I I was my parents would force me to eat vegetables mm-hmm. um, under threat of you know no dessert or mm-hmm. going to my room. And uh, there was a boiled spinach incident where I was I was trying to choke it down and ended up vomiting all over the kitchen mm-hmm. table. I must have been like maybe three or four years old. <laughs> I, th- I want to say a lot of kids have that have that memory, <laughs> like boiled spinach. When you when you mentioned that, like immediately, I was like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I never I never appreciated spinach until I was in my twenties when mm-hmm. I had like fresh spinach because I always thought of spinach as coming from a can, mm-hmm. and that stuff is. Oh. Yeah, from a can yeah. or frozen in cubes or anything yeah, like that. That shouldn't yeah. be called spinach. <laughs> no, it's not even not even close. Yeah, I think I mean that's spinach in general is something that a lot of kids don't like, and then boiled like. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Slimy. Yeah, did, like did did your like did your family do anything else like other than you said vegetables in general? Like, was there anything else that you remember that's memorable? Like, um, well. Not as a kid. I I don't remember what our fare was like at a young age, but I know that uh, by the time I was paying attention, we had mm-hmm. it was very Midwestern fare, a mm-hmm. lot of meatloaf and and chicken, and not a lot of spice. My mom considers like black pepper to be like too spicy. <laughs> oh, that's and spice. <laughs> so I grew up in a. It was very bland. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. growing up, food was, and I I got. Like I loved peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Like that was who doesn't. I was happiest with a PB and J for any meal. Mm -hmm. Um, I did love like my my dad uh, regularly cooked pancakes in the morning, Mm -hmm. and I developed a lifelong love of maple syrup. And now I go to my parents for breakfast on Saturdays. Wow, they live a couple couple minutes away Mm -hmm. from me. And uh, my mom always puts out like four different syrups, a, a selection of fruits, and my dad makes pancakes. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't like fruits and nuts and fruit syrups. I just yeah. want pancakes with butter and maple syrup. Nothing yeah. makes me happier. That that is honestly probably also the best way to eat pancakes. Like, <laughs> I, I, I agree. think I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that too. Yeah, it's yeah, um, but like. So, like, no vegetables that you remember, like, other than boiled spinach? <laughs> uh, well, sure. I remember carrots were the only vegetable I actually mm-hmm. liked because um, the, of their sweetness, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> corn, corn, I would stomach. I didn't like peas. Of course, we, our peas were always frozen peas, too. Mm-hmm. So they were. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I mean, that can, they can, flash frozen peas can be okay, especially mm-hmm. used in, like, a stew or in a, yeah, that's true. Another mm-hmm. another dish. Um, I can't remember the last time I just had a plate of peas, but that was a normal <laughs> thing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I hated squash. I, oh, <laughs> Why I was hated that? it. I I love it now, but yeah, I, I, uh, but squash was so disgusting, and I have always and still do hate tomatoes, mm-hmm. which are technically a fruit. I know, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I lumped them in with vegetables because yeah. they're just as gross as all the other vegetables. <laughs> is, do you think that, like, is that maybe like a texture thing? Like, especially with squash, I can totally see that. There's something, uh, I think that tomatoes, I think people taste tomato differently, much the way like cilantro. Mm -hmm. Because to me, the juice, like if I seed and like basically just eat the skin of a tomato, I mm -hmm. can enjoy it. I like that fine. Um, but anytime I cook with tomatoes, I always, I quarter them and then scoop out mm -hmm. all of the seed and the slime inside of them. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the part I cannot stand. Like mm -hmm. my my taste buds revolt against that mm. flavor. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can totally see that. Like honestly, I like I like. You're you're right. Like the skin and like the outer like the outer outer flesh area. It's like usually the tastiest. Like the the yeah. inner is just the slimy, mm -hmm. gooey stuff. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Yeah. I'm the same. Mushrooms were always as a mm -hmm. kid. Uh, if, if there were ever at any point mushrooms on a pizza, even if I pick them off, mm. um, I, I couldn't, I hate the flavor of mm -hmm. mushrooms and I've in my adult years, I've learned that there are some mushrooms I like and some that I don't. Um, but again, as a kid, the mushrooms were always out of a can, those gray, uh, yeah. <laughs> gray mushroom, like they were shaped like a cartoon <laughs> mushroom. Yeah. Mushroom shaped <laughs> water, like mushroom shaped yeah. water bags. That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those were so gross. Oh, yeah. They kind I, of ruined mushrooms for yeah. me for years. Oh, I, 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 I am I'm with you on that one. <laughs> like, I remember my parents used to use those canned mushrooms for pizza, and like, I hate those that. are a sin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a crime against food. <laughs> crime against mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you said you grew up like in the Midwest, um, like typical midwestern food i mean from from what i know uh as you said like meatloaf not a lot of spices not a lot of like in general a lot of things on the plate yeah. very simple uh simple but hearty when my mom was from the south like she grew up mm -hmm. arkansas alabama yeah she grew up in alabama and uh so some a lot of our food we had like what's that sucra or something uh, uh oh. i don't even know what it was i hated it um and a lot of brussels sprouts mm -hmm. and yeah. <laughs> uh bizarrely not a lot of grits but mm -hmm. um but there was a certain southern flavor in our cooking but again mm -hmm. my mom my mom's allergic to bell peppers she does not like anything spicier than black pepper um and so even like we didn't get there wasn't like that southern with a lot of hot sauce mm -hmm. kind of stuff going on either yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah that that's kind of interesting i mean that that she that she grew up with that but then kind of it barely influenced her yeah yeah that's um did you like do you remember anything from your dad's side like did he cook at all um like i said my dad was a breakfast guy mm -hmm. um i don't I don't recall him ever cooking uh, dinners. He liked mm -hmm. uh, he liked sandwiches for lunch, and he liked pancakes and waffles for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And he's really good at at those things. He makes mean sandwiches and amazing pancakes, but mm -hmm. I don't remember him cooking meal. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's skill in like sandwich make making a really good sandwich, or I mean, honestly, oh yeah, good pancakes. like he's he's an engineer. He he has it down. He knows the exact Ooh. ratio of like <laughs> butter to bread, how to curl them. Like when you make a sandwich with mm -hmm. meats, like deli meats, mm -hmm. you know how if you don't scrunch the meat up or yeah. roll it, it makes the sandwich is just gross. Like it makes yeah. all the difference just it to does. scrunch the meat up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So he, he was very detailed about stuff like that. Knew exactly how much mustard he wanted would mm -hmm. like measure it out by the spoons. <laughs> And yeah, he makes a really good sandwich. He had like an instruction manual for like. And he taught me. He taught me even on a peanut butter jelly sandwich, if you butter the bread first, it's even better. Hmm. Peanut butter jelly and butter. Wow. Okay, I have to give that a try. I've never tried that. <laughs> it changes things. It really yeah, does. Yeah, I mean, butter butter changes a lot of things, so I can totally see that. I I don't always do it now. Uh, if I make a PB and J now, um, I will lightly toast the bread. Mm -hmm. And I, I use very different ingredients. Growing up, it was always like GF peanut butter. But mm -hmm. now I now I go to the co-op and there's the machine that has actual peanuts in it. And you nice. push the button and it grinds it into wow. the butter. So it's truly <laughs> natural peanut yeah. butter. 
and I use uh, raw honey and mm-hmm. Uh, my ingredients have gotten much better, but it's still a PB and J. Yeah, I mean, even even with better ingredients, like you can't change the recipe. Like, it's just there was a crave in San Francisco that served like uh, some gourmet peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with weird ingredients like okay. jalapeno peppers and hmm. <laughs> uh, on like sourdough breads and stuff. Mm-hmm. That yeah, those were amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I I am a fan. I I'm a, I'm a Foodie when it comes to PB and J. Is that a thing? Can that be a thing? I, that that can totally be a thing. We're just gonna make it a thing now. <laughs> PB and J foodie, why not? I mean, like you can't be a foodie about everything, so like might as well just pick one thing and just be yeah. about that. But I gotta say, after growing up with such bland food and developing so many dislikes as a kid, mm-hmm. I really I had no idea uh, of the world of food that existed. Um, mm-hmm. By the time I went to college, I pretty much life was like chicken with salt and pepper and, mm-hmm. and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I went vegetarian when I was, I think, I think I know it was after it was, I was 18 when I went vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, so and 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 to me at the time that meant like a lot of um a lot of power bars i guess mm-hmm. okay um <laughs> power bars and potatoes and i would uh i learned how to caramelize onions by accident just by leaving them on the stove too long so mm-hmm. i would have as a college kid uh my first year of college i would just boil a potato and caramelize an onion and that would be dinner and <laughs> okay. i was i was not at that point good at cooking <laughs> Did, uh, uh, <laughs> that's a very interesting definition <laughs> like i mean it is a meal and it's definitely cheap i want to say but <laughs> i wouldn't call it a balanced meal. <laughs> no um did you like did you learn cooking at all from from your from your mom or from your dad even uh i learned i learned the basics um nothing uh yeah i mean i learned how to bake from mm-hmm. my mom i learned what what kind to, of what kind of things did you learn like to bake like what did she bake like in general? Uh, she loved to make. Uh, she called them crescent rolls, mm-hmm. and those, you would yeah. just like roll the dough out into triangles and roll them up. And uh, she made this stuff. They were missionaries in the Philippines, and they learned how to make pan pan de sal. Uh, mm-hmm. As a kid, we just called it pandasol, <laughs> um, but it you know it's bread of the sun, sun bread, and. Uh, which is Spanish, and I don't know why they learned that in the Philippines, but uh, it it was a, a very uh, baking soda f- uh, kind of aftertaste to the mm-hmm. bread. It was okay. good. I mean, I don't. That's mm-hmm. not as gross as it sounds. It just had this kind of effervescent mm-hmm. um, saltiness to it, mm-hmm. um, and we learned how to make that and dust it with corn flour and. Um, but nothing, I learned how I, I made an angel food cake hmm. for like my 15th birthday. I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, yeah. So I, I like experimented. Mm-hmm. I learned some basic kitchen skills. I didn't learn how to like properly dice an onion mm. until I was <laughs> 25 years old. Well, I mean, you didn't, you didn't know that, but at least you could do angel food cake. So right. <laughs> it's like, there's a balance, right? Yeah. 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 Um like were your grandparents at all an influence on on like cooking or or food at all? Like do you remember like I don't mm. know Thanksgiving with them or anything? No, like my both of my, all of my grandparents died uh at a pretty when I was pretty young. Mm. Um my grandmother lived my grand my maternal grandmother lived the longest, but by the time I was kind of cognizant Mm. she she had um uh not alzheimer's parkinson's Mm -hmm. and basically she lived on corn checks and pepsi (laughs) and that was that was what she was always eating Mm -hmm. so i never they were never cooking Mm. uh while i was alive uh, (laughs) conscious maybe that's where you got your like early tasted food from (laughs) i do love breakfast cereal Like, I mean, it's not too far from that to potatoes and onions. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, you like you, you had like basic skills when you left home. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I forgot to ask. Like, I, I I don't even know. Do you have any siblings? Yes, I have one brother and one sister. Okay. Um, do you remember like at all? Like, did you like cook with them, or did your family cook with them? Uh, did your family cook together at all? Like, was that a thing? Well, so like my mom would have me like when she was making tacos, she would have me like man the the pan mm -hmm. and brown the beef. Um, Uh, she would have us, you know, stirring and mixing and she would involve us in the kitchen, mm -hmm. but more just with, uh, watching things cook, mm -hmm. uh, less with prep and <laughs> keeping you busy. So, yeah, I mean, but she, she had us all in the kitchen, mm -hmm. uh, mostly to keep an eye on us, I think, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, yeah, I never, mm -hmm. I never cooked with just my siblings. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, you you still get some at least basic basic things. I mean, you you know then like okay, if if meat is this brown, it's ready. Like versus just yeah. like guessing. Yeah, by the by the <laughs> time I got to home ec in high school, I mm -hmm. pretty much knew what they were gonna try to teach me there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and then then you moved out. I'm guessing. Um, like yeah, I moved to uh, to Minneapolis. Uh, mm -hmm. Started at the U of M, but dropped out of there and went to art school. Mm -hmm. And it was around that time, uh, I I moved to uh, Nicolette Avenue in Minneapolis, or or off Nicolette, but within walking distance of what was called Eat Street, mm -hmm. which is a section of Nicolette Avenue that has uh, basically uh, three restaurants per block for uh, about eight blocks, wow. and uh, all all ethnicities, all types of food. And all all highly reviewed restaurants. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, that was at my fingertips or my within walking distance. And um, problem was, I had no money. Yeah. I was I was a punk rocker. I had a heroin addiction, and basically, I would live off of scraps. Mm -hmm. um, we <laughs> would raid the dumpsters of these really yeah. nice, <laughs> nice restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, But I started dating uh, girls who who had money mm -hmm. and loved to eat good food. And that was kind of where I started being introduced. That's where I discovered I loved Thai food. Mm -hmm. There was this restaurant called the Royal Orchid. And it was my first taste of cilantro ever. And I had I was like, what is this flavor? I love this. And uh, we we figured out that it was the cilantro that I was in love with. Mm -hmm. And then the owner of that restaurant was this Thai guy uh, who fell in love with me. He was, if I would show up, he would grab me by the waist and walk me to a table and then feed me for free. Wow. Uh, okay. Everything. And if I brought a date, he would, <laughs> he would feed us both, bring us just like plate after plate, and then make sure we had at least like three to-go boxes to go home. <laughs> so I developed a real love mm -hmm. of Pad Thai. Mm. And and uh, mangoes and sticky rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was that was kind of the the introduction for me to a world of food that I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you you said you were a vegetarian at that point, so Thai food is yeah. like I mean a pretty safe bet if you like, yep, other totally. than Indian probably. Um, totally. So yeah, I mean that that almost sounds like a family. I mean that that he just like whenever he sees you, is like, oh, you need you need to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. you were probably not in the best shape anyway at that time. I mean if you were eating scraps <laughs> other, <laughs> any other time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was. I was. Uh, my money was going elsewhere mm -hmm. other than food. So yeah, it was really nice to have mm -hmm. uh, contacts that would keep me well fed and. Mm -hmm. Uh, sure. The girl I dated for the longest during that period uh, taught me a lot about cooking. Mm -hmm. uh, she, we would go, you know, actually grocery shopping and buy more than potatoes and onions, <laughs> and uh, and cook real meals. Mm -hmm. And she was quite good, and I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what kind? Like, what do you remember? What did she cook together? Oh man, it has been a while. So. It has been a while. Like I remember, we did a lot of uh, like uh, stir fry dishes mm -hmm. and uh, really experimenting with that. We would make um, uh, homemade naan and uh, what's the 
the cheese, Indian cheese uh, dish. Yeah, yeah, paneer. Yes, and we would yeah. make homemade paneer, and uh, and whole like Indian spreads, mm-hmm. and I feel like there were a lot of things we cooked, and I can't remember mm. anymore. It sounds a lot like <laughs> Indian inspired or like Asian in general. Like, she loved Indian. She got mm-hmm. me into Indian. Uh, there was a really good Indian restaurant on Eat Street that we would go to, and uh, I developed a, a love of Indian before mm-hmm. later in life marrying an Indian girl um, <laughs> for a while. Um, but kind of makes yeah. you wonder whether there's a connection, <laughs> like love of Indian food. <laughs> Yeah, she was like the girl that I married. We were married for 10 years and uh, 11. Mm -hmm. And um, she was born in India, but at the age of like three weeks was adopted Mm -hmm. by a family in Minnesota and raised in a a Minnesota family with Polish heritage. And really, uh, they, they did their best to connect her to her kind of biological homeland Mm -hmm. but she it it was in a very minnesota way yeah very white i mean yeah (laughs) yeah yeah like she grew up with with two two very tall white brothers Mm -hmm. that (laughs) would beat people up if they if they made fun of her Mm -hmm. but she she grew up yeah a very white existence Mm -hmm. overall yeah i mean that is difficult like i mean if you're this far away uh, probably Minnesota doesn't probably doesn't have the biggest Indian population. <laughs> it, some areas do uh, a lot of um, Sudanese and Somali uh, mm-hmm. are more more prevalent, especially mm-hmm. in the Minneapolis and Rochester areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, like, <laughs> you were you were enjoying Thai food and like starting like learning to cook. Um, like, what what skills? Did she like? Did your your girlfriend at that point teach you like what you? Um, I began to understand uh, just the basics of uh, heat, mm-hmm. how how sugars break down, how uh, how things turning brown isn't a bad thing. <laughs> um, just like mm-hmm. pretty pretty basic uh, yeah. elements of stove work, I guess mm-hmm. you would call it. Um, <laughs> uh, I learned about a lot of exotic ingredients, mm, things that spices other than salt yeah. and pepper. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Really mm-hmm. learning to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that, like I was, as I mentioned, uh, I was pretty high mm-hmm. that whole time, and like I could, I could get through cooking a meal, uh, but I didn't always retain a lot mm-hmm. of the, the skills. And it yeah. wasn't until, wasn't until my adult adult <laughs> late 20s that i really started mm-hmm. studying uh trying to you know internalize a lot of yeah. these cooking skills you know when you explained that like what you were learning it sounded a lot like very scientific like almost like your dad what you said like this engineering approach to that to is uh there's a a really good book that i found in the last 10 years um food lab mm-hmm. the food lab that that does it approaches cooking from a very food science kind of way Mm -hmm. and that definitely does and i think it always has clicked with me more Mm -hmm. uh to really look at things from a real chemistry perspective Mm -hmm. and understand why heat you know breaks down sugars and and what happens when you eat food how the taste buds work and how saliva Mm -hmm. works and like all of these very biological and chemical uh that's the stuff that made sense to me uh more so than the abstracts of cooking Mm -hmm. um if if you think about your cooking today uh, in that light um they're like like in the very scientific like way of cooking there are like two ways you can approach it either you completely experimental you understand like how the all the ingredients work and you just experiment you just yeah. throw things together and try to figure out how it works or you like come up with a recipe and you follow it to the t or you have a recipe somewhere and you follow it to the t like it's very like structured which like which yeah. way are you leaning that so i like to find uh, a complex recipe mm-hmm. and i like to the first time i cook it i like to follow it to the letter mm-hmm. and get the intended result from it 
But the second time I cook it, I like to, uh, I would call it, it serves as an idea. Mm-hmm. And, and I incorporate the things that I know I like. Uh, mm-hmm. I incorporate my favorite extra ingredients or my favorite ratios of spices and uh, kind of make it my own and take notes on <laughs> what works and often what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have a, a Bolognese uh, sauce that I got really good at making. And yeah, I, I stopped being vegetarian uh, after 17 years of being vegetarian. And now I'm back to vegetarian. But during that period where I was eating meat again, I got really good at Bolognese mm-hmm. sauce. And uh, I went through like probably 15 iterations of that sauce. And like the recipe takes six hours to yeah, cook. At least. Yeah. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. putting six hours into something. Mm-hmm. And then I would, while it was boiling down and rendering, I would make homemade pasta. And I, yeah, like, but, but by the end, um, I was following my own recipe, mm-hmm. uh, having gone through phases where I was just kind of experimenting using what skills i did have Mm -hmm. that's very interesting i mean you're probably one of the first people other than me that i know like i've interviewed that that i have that approach like i i i i I ping pong a little bit sometimes i like look at a recipe and immediately change it (laughs) but if it's as you said if it's something really complex like a really complex recipe then I'll follow it first, like the first time. And then, as you said, like then start to experiment and say, okay, I don't like this. Let's do that. Um, well, in a lot of the recipes I, I, I use uh, often call for ingredients that I don't have access to. Mm-hmm. I, I live in a town of 30,000 people uh, in Southeast Minnesota. And we don't, we don't have an Asian market. Mm-hmm. We don't, we have a co-op that is very seasonal uh, yeah, as far as what's available. Great. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, I get a lot of good food, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I'll follow, like, I love Adelingi recipes mm-hmm. and he'll ask for things that I have to look up what it is to begin with. <laughs> and then, uh, then I have to look up substitutions mm-hmm. and I'll spend a, a lot of time figuring out how to make recipes work in a small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, Amazon isn't always an option either. Like, you can't get everything from Amazon, or it takes too long. I mean, if you want to cook it I've today never, or tomorrow, I've never ordered groceries from no? Amazon. No. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I, I would have thought that you're you're one of those people who would absolutely do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, I could see why yeah. you would think that, but I, I love the co-op. Um, mm-hmm. It it costs me more. I spend hundreds of dollars every month at the co-op, but. I, I I love supporting the local mm-hmm. co-op and I love the fresh organic foods that I get from there. Yeah. And pretty much I will I will make my uh my meal plans work around whatever's in season mm-hmm. and available. Yeah. And that is I mean that is that is awesome. I mean that's that like uh, there's nothing um, on my my perspective, there's nothing better. It's local, yeah. it's seasonal, it's well the farmers like, market might be better, them. but that's that's even more seasonal. Yeah, but I mean, even yeah, I, I I don't know whether there's a big difference between the co-op and the farmers market on that level. Like it's uh, all seasonal. Yeah, no, that's true. Our farmers market tends to, if you are looking for, like a lot of a lot of the booths at the farmers market are Hmong families, mm-hmm. um, and they they rent like a couple acres on other farms Mm -hmm. and they grow a pretty limited set of crops. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for fresh chard or um, spring onions or something like that, you Mm -hmm. know, like there's no fresher place to get them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't, there's not a wide selection. The co-op usually carries a much wider selection of fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And those, those fruits that look like little uh, spike balls. Um, uh, yeah. What's that? Like, what are they called? I don't remember what they're called. Yeah. Uh, I just discovered them two years ago. Mm-hmm. They're super, they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're so weird looking. They're so <laughs> yeah, alien. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely look very alien. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, there, in my perspective, there is not, not much better than like a good co-op or a good farmer's market locally. I mean, that's 
usually the first thing, even if I'm visiting somewhere that I will look for. Yeah. Like, I, I remember when I moved to Phoenix, like the, literally the first thing I did was like, okay, where are the farmer's markets? Yeah. Uh, and they had some good ones. So was, well, I get uh, excited when I go to bigger cities um, because, you know, there'll usually be three or four different farmer's mm -hmm. markets. And it, they, yeah, like that gets exciting. Our farmer's market is uh, usually about 20 booths once a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's, it is what it is. But <laughs> when I go to big cities, it's really yeah. fun to explore and see. Mm, yeah, Chicago is mean, great for sure. Yeah, I mean smaller cities that that makes sense. I mean, if it's only like thirty thousand people and probably not too many around, um, yeah. thirty thousand people, and that's including two colleges. So mm -hmm. half of that population yeah. is college kids. Yeah, and I mean, how many college kids go to a farmers market? <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> not many. Not many. I mean, a couple of vegetarians probably. <laughs> they <Right>. might. <laughs> um, yeah, so so coming back, I mean, like to your experimental cooking. So you you experimented with like your girlfriend back then. Um, did you like? I mean, after like, I'm guessing your your ex wife you met at some point. Um, yeah. Like, did you did you continue that experimentation with her at all? Or? Um, we we pretty quickly for for about five years. Um, things got pretty boring. Mm -hmm. Uh, she, she would cook. I didn't, I didn't love a lot of what she cooked. Um, and it wasn't until about five years in that I started, I just decided to kind of take over the cooking mm -hmm. and, and I got back into, into cooking and would, <laughs> would make most of the meals. Mm -hmm. Um, with a lot of leftovers so that we would get through the week. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I found myself much happier that way, but we never, we never cooked together. Um, like, What was the reason, like when you said, I mean, you weren't very happy with what she cooked. Like, was it just, it wasn't like, I think we had different tastes. Okay. Well, that can happen. I, but I, I don't, I've never quite been able to put my finger on, mm -hmm. um, I feel like everyone else cooks wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, like I'll make the same dish as, as someone else mm -hmm. and, and I'll like it better. And a good portion of the time they're like, Oh, wow, that is better. <laughs> and you know, it's just, did you cook it long enough? Did you, did you cook it at the right temperature? Did you add enough salt? Mm. People, people get so shy about salt. Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, and, yeah, I can I, salt, but <laughs> well, I learned about like uh, like um, flaked salt mm -hmm. and and coarse salt, and I don't ever use regular table salt when I cook anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and like a, a good coarse salt that isn't overly salty. Uh, yeah, yeah you can do wonders with yeah. that yeah i mean in the like in the professional kitchens they have like they have table salt for like salt water and stuff like that basically sure. to cook and then they have finishing salts yeah and that's what the flaky like the really interesting stuff is well so uh cooking a steak there, i can't remember there was this this sea salt i got that was it was flakes and mm -hmm. you could basically cover the steak Mm -hmm. before you let it sit yep. you, like overnight you could just cake it mm -hmm. in this salt and it wouldn't it wouldn't be anything near too salty by the time yeah. it was cooked yeah. um but if i had done that with like regular granular mm -hmm. table salt that would have come out tasting yeah yeah for sure very salty yeah i mean that that is very common in like the mediterranean uh like with fish but also with meat where they cover it uh, like sometimes they cover it in salt like a sea salt and yeah. then bake it or or as you said like let it sit overnight or whatever um there's definitely something to that i never thought about that um but you're right yeah there's there's definitely a difference between table salt and like flaky sea salt when it the, comes to the coarser it is the less salty it is mm -hmm. per like teaspoon um, partly because there's a lot more air content, mm -hmm. but uh, I think that sea salt in general tends to be less salty than iodized salt. Yeah, definitely, yes, definitely. Yes. That, I, I definitely prefer that. I mean, <laughs> my family makes fun of me because of that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's like it's definitely true. And I have like 
I mean, you probably as well, like three, four different kinds of salt at least. Yeah. Like depending on what you're doing. You I've never figured out what the pink salt is, but I have it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the pink salt. So <laughs> I've, n- I've never used it. I yeah. just, it's always in the cupboard. And I'm like, is that from like a specific type of seawater? I don't know um, what makes pink the, salt. The pink salt is usually, uh, it's like it's stone salt. It's from uh, the Himalaya, Himalayan oh, uh, mountains. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Some Maybe people say it, it has see. special properties because of that. Um, I don't believe in that. So for me, it's like, it doesn't taste. I read, <laughs> I read yesterday about one of the most sought after coffees in the world that was, I can't, it's like, it, it, it's fed, the beans are eaten by lemurs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they sell the lemur poop Yep. with the beans, <laughs> the whole beans still in it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Huh. <laughs> oh, that that has been around. Like they've done it with uh, mountain goats. Uh, <laughs> like I think that's one of the oldest versions of. The, I mean, that's originally, at least according to to what people say, that's originally how coffee was even discovered. That the goats were eating it, and then someone <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> someone decided to go through their poop. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand it either. But it was I like, often wonder. I wonder how people discovered things. And I've mm-hmm. watched, I've watched uh, documentary pieces from like PBS and Eons about like how humans started drinking, like how beer was discovered mm-hmm. and uh, developed. And a lot of that makes sense. Uh, the intoxicating. But there are certain foods that, and I can't think of any specific offhand, but I wondered like who first decided to try eating this. Like I, it, mm-hmm. it seems, seems yeah. weird, but <laughs> I guess in the right circumstances, if you're hungry enough, you could try just about anything. Yeah. That's I, I said half of time is probably an accident. I mean, I, I always think <laughs> about that, like with cheese, for example. I mean, if you think yeah. about what cheese is like, I mean, it's kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but someone at some point said, hey, <laughs> let's give this a try. <laughs> I watched the other day, there was this thing that went around on Twitter about an artisan butter uh, butter shop in, mm-hmm. I think, Italy. And it, if, if, so I'm not vegan. I still, like, I still need a certain amount of butter in my cooking. I haven't figured out a good substitute for ghee and butter. Mm. Um, But that video made me realize if that store existed in my town, I would probably never be able to go vegan. That (laughs) looks so delicious and so amazing. The, the art of butter. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, you're definitely right. I I think I read the other or actually heard on another podcast the other day that someone discovered now through the Corona, uh, like lockdowns and everything, a new kind of cheese. Really? Somewhere in Wisconsin, I think. Yeah, so, like, or either in Wisconsin <laughs> or Italy, I don't remember. But it was basically... <laughs> Wisconsin the, or Italy? Yeah, one of who, the two. You can tell the difference these <laughs> Yeah, days. one of the two. I don't remember. But it was basically, <laughs> like, someone, like, cheese that was supposed to be, like, like eaten fresh, more or less. They let it sit for, like, a couple of weeks. Okay. And then they okay. discovered, like, a cheese that hadn't existed before. Interesting. <laughs> well, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you would think there's only a certain number of types yeah. of mold in the world. Exactly. But there's probably thousands. Yeah, there's probably more. I'm guessing that's how a lot of stuff got discovered. Like, I mean, it's just accident. Like, people, sure. like, sure. I don't know, they didn't pay attention and ate something that they usually wouldn't have. And they were like, hey, actually, yeah. one, I survived. And two, it's actually not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know until recently that sour milk doesn't make you sick. Mm-hmm. Like I had always like grown up believing that drinking sour milk not only tasted awful, but it would give you like a sour stomach. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize that there's not a lot of danger to, especially no. with pasteurized milk, no. uh, not a lot of danger to spoiling milk. Mm-hmm. So the idea of cheeses and uh, other dairy fermentation products uh, being discovered seems more likely once you realize mm-hmm. that it's not going to kill anyone to yeah. try it. No, exactly. I mean, it's, if it if it's kept at 
like a reasonable temperature does yeah like not much that happens that's actually you can buy sour milk in in germany i think really yeah been strong. Um, i don't know you, who does that but it's not legal in most areas here but you can buy raw milk mm. um if you get it direct from the farmers and uh i have a friend who used to bring me every every holiday season he would bring me uh uh eggnog made from raw milk Aww. and mm -hmm. it was amazing yeah like he would bring it in like a uh gallon ice cream bucket mm -hmm. and wow. when you you would ladle it out and it would ha get that thick thick mm -hmm. cream on top and you mm -hmm. would have to like ladle it out with the and keep the the foam at the top and mm -hmm. it was delicious yeah that sounds amazing. amazing yeah that's something i remember as a kid like we had like it's the same it's the same i think mm, at least in most of the western world raw milk is usually you can't sell commercially yeah. at least uh, but you can get it obviously from the farms. And I, I remember as a kid, like we used to go to the farm like every two or three days and pick up like raw milk from yeah, from, more or less from the cow. Not not quite, but yeah, I've, I I've worked milked at, cows. So <laughs> I worked on a dairy farm, and I shouldn't say I worked. I dated a girl in high school whose parents who 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 came from a dairy farm, mm -hmm. and I would help her with chores, and I got to know the cows and we would have you know obviously raw milk mm -hmm. and <laughs> and steaks <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i i yeah i've i've been exposed to good dairy mm -hmm. in my life it wasn't until i moved back to winona after moving around for a while uh that i ever had a truly farm fresh egg mm -hmm. um and to to <laughs> to discover the difference between a supermarket egg mm -hmm. and a farm fresh organic you know range free free range chicken egg yeah and that was i i fell in love with eggs mm -hmm. at that point i love a, the bright yellow like golden eggs and i learned to cook them uh just put like a uh, to make scrambled eggs, uh, uh, beat them and mm -hmm. then sprinkle in about an eighth of a teaspoon of, of sea salt and let it sit for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and then cook it, like spread it out. Like you're going to make an omelet and drop in, uh, refrigerated butter, about a tablespoon total, but in little chunks and let it mm -hmm. use that to change the temperature differential. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, as it cooks, like folding in yeah. and you get the creamiest and with <laughs> with the fresh eggs that is honestly one of my favorite things ever yeah absolutely like really good eggs like there's a massive difference it's same with milk to be honest like i mean maybe i'm i'm a little bit in a snob when it comes to milk <laughs> like i mean i've like i remember moving like i moved to like koblenz in germany uh, to get where i got my master's degree and i remember i spent probably the next two years going through every milk available in the supermarket to find the one that I liked. Yeah. Like I tried all of yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately I found one that was like minimally processed, like the minimum that they were allowed to and yeah. like the cream on top and everything. And like, it just tasted so different than like anything else. Like it, it wasn't just white water. It was like, you could taste yeah, the right. butter in it. Yeah. Well, I grew up on skim milk. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> So even 2% milk tasted wrong to me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, uh, it was working on the dairy farm, we would drink whole milk. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was, it wasn't even, it wasn't milk based on what I knew about milk, mm -hmm. sure. which was white water. Mm -hmm. And, and skim milk is great to wash down a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But <laughs> if you actually want a glass of milk, yeah. um, that you know stands on its own mm -hmm. like i became a big fan of whole milk um and uh and then farm fresh whole milk was mm -hmm. yeah it it's life-changing yeah it's it's so different <laughs> is it like if you could taste the the butter in that in that milk so yeah. that's that's the best yeah yeah coming back to butter <laughs> i churned butter once well, okay that takes a long time it does yeah <laughs> mm. yeah so um i think when we 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 
like went off topic a little bit which is awesome like i always <laughs> like doing that like talking about random stuff that just comes up i don't even remember what the topic was no uh, we were we were talking about like you started cooking for your then wife mostly yeah. mostly cooking um did you stick with like you said a lot of indian dishes or was that then like did you introduce no other stuff? no i got so it was around that time that i discovered Adolingi. Mm-hmm. And um, and I got a couple. I got plenty by Ottolinghi, and started cooking a lot of vegetarian stuff. Even though we weren't technically vegetarian at that point, mm-hmm. um, and his stuff is very uh, kind of cross cultural. And uh, I I got into the idea of instead of cooking for like. I'm going to cook this nationality this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more like I'm going to incorporate these available ingredients and make something yeah. uh, that really can't be identified as being a specific eth- ethnic dish. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I did a lot of that. Uh, I did have a, a, a strong preference for Italian, mm-hmm. like um, just Italian cuisine in general and Mexican. Mm. I I love a good taco. I love a good quesadilla. Um, even like even seafood based Mexican because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was pescatarian for a while in there. Yeah, but a, a good shrimp taco uh, I could definitely go for. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like Indian. She honestly, most of the Indian that we cooked, she she did cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made good samosas, mm-hmm. um, panak paneer and tikka masala, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really hard to find good basmati rice here. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be done, but that is one thing that I was recently told uh, to order from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, "Here, here's exactly the one to order this long grain basmati, <laughs> mm. and and I'm I'm tempted to do it because yeah. it's been a while since I've had good basmati yeah. rice. That that is in general hard to get, like even in bigger cities. Like good basmati is hard to get. I mean, if you know where and like you have an Asian, like a good Asian supermarket, maybe. Yeah. But like the standard supermarkets uh, don't have that, or don't See, have the good ones. As a result of living in such a small town, we have." we are bereft of dining choices. We have one surprisingly good sushi place um, run by uh, a family that moved from Japan that speaks almost no English Mm -hmm. and hires wait staff that also doesn't speak English. And this is in a small Minnesota town (laughs) that is 90% white people Mm -hmm. Um, to their, their food is good enough that they're able to run a business where they can barely communicate with the customers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But, but they pull it off because because they make (laughs) really good sushi. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a landlocked state, no less uh, (laughs) flash, flash frozen fish flown in. Oh, that was a good sentence. Flash frozen fish flown in. (laughs) Um, But, but in general, like dining out the, to, to go to a good restaurant, you have to drive at least 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, which when you live in a town where everything's 10 minutes away, that seems like a, a lot of effort to go through. Um, <laughs> For sure, but, yeah. But it, the result is that I, well, that combined with some, some between my, my girlfriend and I, uh, our dietary needs are such that there's really no restaurant we can both go to. Mm. Uh, so we cook. We cook a lot. We cook almost all of our meals now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, which is also much cheaper. Um, <laughs> I would say our our co-op bill. I could probably depending depending on where I was dining out, I could probably dine out every night wow. uh, okay. and come out with about the same budget as I spend at the co-op. But wow, okay, that is that is surprising. <laughs> I got into uh, I got into Hello Fresh. Mm-hmm. And it, it's nothing amazing, but I actually have learned some new cooking skills. HelloFresh tends to reuse a lot of basic skills and, mm. and techniques. Um, but I've learned, like, I didn't know how to um, butter fry a steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what it's called? When you just keep ladling the butter yeah. over? Yeah. Um, 
I had, I had never done that until mm-hmm. it was a HelloFresh recipe and I had seen it done in like <laughs> cooking shows, cuisine <laughs> commercials and, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah, and cooking shows, but I had never, I had never learned to do it. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, it's been, it's been good for me, mm-hmm. but it, ultimately it saves me money over shopping at the co-op and it's super convenient to mm-hmm. just have stuff dropped <laughs> off at my door. The yeah. meals are planned. All of the all of the recipes are all the in- ingredients are there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's worth it. And then I I just cook a few meals yeah. in between. But that covers like three out of three out of five meals are mm. covered by HelloFresh these days. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. Like I mean, I, I like to cook. But like, especially right now, since I'm alone, my family's still in Arizona. It, <laughs> I I kind of I got bored with a couple of recipes that I was doing out of more or less, yeah, not having the energy to to, yeah. <laughs> to cook. Yeah. Uh, so I ordered like um, I don't even remember what the company is called now. It's not HelloFresh, but it's like an international company. It's like a German company, but they are available in the US. I just don't remember what is what they're called. Okay. Um, but they're like, yeah, same thing, like HelloFresh. Like you get it delivered. Um, and the recipes so far have been pretty good. Like can't can't complain. As you said, like um, basic skills. Um, but every now and then there's something and they were like, oh, yeah, I haven't yeah. done that in a while or never, uh, depending. Yeah. So no, HelloFresh loves their loves their spring onions. Uh, what's the other word for them? Not scallops, shallots? No. Uh, scallions. Scallions. Thank yeah. you. They they constantly and it's always it's always thinly sliced and separate the greens from the whites and mm-hmm. the greens are always used for garnish but <laughs> I don't pay attention to that because mm-hmm. the greens actually cook up just fine and have a lot of flavor mm-hmm. kind of like garlic snapes yeah 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 by the way I looked it up it is HelloFresh that I ordered <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I like yeah blanked on it i'm like yeah it is hello fresh actually yeah it's a it's a german company it's a berlin-based really? company yeah how do you say that in german uh it's exactly the same it's english <laughs> there's no there's no other way <laughs> no gluten fresh uh no no it's it's just called hello fresh <laughs> like i said yeah. I, I knew that they were in the u.s uh but they started out in germany like i don't know seven eight years ago all right yeah no they're everywhere yeah but they're i said they're really good and like the, the the website and the app is pretty good and that's something i mean you and me can both enjoy uh, yeah. that it's actually functional and not like total crap yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah so um yeah we're kind of kind of closing in on the end of the show uh but i i wanted to to talk about like uh, i wanted to talk about one thing i mean you said you were vegetarian you switched to like being not a vegetarian and a pescatarian at some point. Um, how did that happen or how, how come? Like, I mean, now you're vegetarian again, you said. Yeah. Well, so the first time I went vegetarian, it was after uh, a, a, a girlfriend had served me a lamb chop and I had found it just disgusting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it really turned me off. And then the next time I went to eat meat, um, I like it, it turned me off of meat for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And then when I did eat meat again, uh, I realized exactly how much toll it took on my digestion. Like I felt mm-hmm. slow and sluggish. And, mm-hmm. and at that point I decided I'm just going to go vegetarian. And uh, it eventually became like an ethical ecological decision. But at mm-hmm. first it was just a dislike of uh, some, some particular meat that I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then I hit a point after 17 years where bacon smelled really good and, (laughs) uh, and I was able to, I I decided if I sourced my meat locally and I knew where it came from and Mm -hmm. I was, was getting it in the most ecologically sound way possible that I would start eating meat again. Mm -hmm. And and I did, and I did that for another 10 years. And then all of a sudden I was eating chicken, I think. And I, cause I used to slaughter chickens at, mm-hmm. at the farm mm-hmm. and I, I had a pretty good stomach for it, but I, I hit a point where I knew that I didn't have it in me to kill an animal mm-hmm. anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And I realized that again recently, I, I was eating chicken and I thought, could I kill this animal? Mm-hmm. And my stomach just can't, I can't kill anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not willing to kill it, I'm not willing to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made the switch. Like, I'm really good at cooking meat. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, probably like it, yeah. my, it's probably my top skill mm-hmm. is meats. Um, so it's not, it's not that I don't like meat. It's, uh, it became more of an ethical consideration for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there are many valid reasons. Like I, I switch back and forth kind of, <laughs> I always say I'm part-time vegetarian. <laughs> like I, I eat, like I eat, like I've always enjoyed vegetables. Like as a kid, I mean, other than as the aforementioned, uh, like the spinach, yeah that i hate it and brussels sprouts that i hate right. it and still to this day barely can eat oh um, i and these days i love brussels sprouts but it's really funny because my my girlfriend her dietary needs um basically require meat to mm-hmm. get around eating meat for her would require um some insane culinary gymnastics mm-hmm. and so she will cook like a vegan pizza and mm-hmm. then put sausage on it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and she, <laughs> she has been known to say uh, the, the best way to make vegan good food is to uh, vegan food. Good is to add meat. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that, <laughs> but no, it's, yeah. I, for- <laughs> no, I, I enjoy, I enjoy cooking vegan. Mm-hmm. Like I said, butter is hard for me to get away from. Yeah. Um, uh, like vegan sour cream is delicious, mm-hmm. uh, but butter butter's a hard one for me. Yeah, butter would be a very tough one for me too. Like it's just just too good. And the other thing you mentioned is bacon. That that's probably that's the thing that p- pulls me back every time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and 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 there is no vegetarian bacon that no. can that can stand up to the the real thing. Yeah, and I said, I'm, I'm okay with eating bacon every now and then. But as I said, like, <laughs> even as a kid, like, I've, I've always, like, preferred the veggies over, over meat. I mean, hmm. grow, growing up in Germany, it's like a lot of meat and potatoes. Sure. Uh, but, like, yeah, I've, like, to this day, like, I, I prefer a really good vegetarian or vegan dish over, mm-hmm. over meat. You know what I'm missing right now more than anything is good sausage. Mm-hmm. Um, and good keyword meats. Um, I miss uh, salami, mm-hmm. like those really. And I, I know there are, I'm going to start trying to make uh, like vegan salami because mm-hmm. it is mostly about the spice Yeah, and you can, you can replicate the fats. Mm-hmm. So really at that point, it's just texture. And if you can get past the texture, I feel like I could, I could replicate yeah. a good salami pretty well. Uh, I mean, Given that, like, there's like r- really good, uh, like burgers, for example, or like like ground, yeah, want to call it ground beef that like you couldn't tell, uh, and salami right, is not that different. Stuff, yeah, the salami the is not that meats. Yeah, exactly. Salami is not that different. Like as you said, yeah. that's basically if you add the spices, you're kind of there more or less. Yeah, I'm so, gonna give yeah, it a shot. Totally do. I would say I'll get back to you. Let you know how it goes. <laughs> The next business idea for me is like <laughs> I'm a I'm I'm not I don't digest gluten well mm. and most of the the vegan sausage recipes I find use mm. um, vital wheat mm. as a major ingredient like yeah. all of them are like two cups of vital wheat and that's basically uh, seitan and it's 100 percent mm. gluten so I, I I I'll have to find a way around that mm. or just deal with the digestion I guess yeah. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, uh, there's so much more I wanted to ask you about, but I think I think we're gonna leave it at that and then have you come back at some point. Um, that sounds good. Thank you so much for doing this. Always enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, pleasure. Totally, like uh, kind of what I expected that it went totally a different direction than than I thought it would, <laughs> which is absolutely on brand for you and also on brand for the show, kind of. Uh, you never All know right. what you're getting, and I think that's that's the fun part. I'm um, glad I didn't disappoint. No, absolutely. I and mean, you you cannot. I mean, on this show, it's hard to disappoint, like honestly. <laughs> because like you just follow follow what like what your memories are, what you're what you want to talk about. Like there's no like everybody has a story. Like yeah. even if you hate food and you're like you're not a foodie and everything, there's a story that you can tell. Yeah. 
yeah. how, how, how that happened. Uh, so totally. Um, yeah. So let the, the good listeners know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at brettterpstra.com. That's three T's in the middle of it. Uh, you can also find me on any social media service as TT Scoff. And, uh, and I have my own podcast at systematicpod.com and overtiredpod.com. I can highly recommend all of that. <laughs> and the website. I mean, you can spend probably a good, I don't know, five years on that website and like find all the <laughs> hidden gems that you've written about. There's so much on that. Um, yeah, and the first six years of my blogging don't even exist anymore. That's just <laughs> that's just the last 15 years. Oh, wow. Years. <laughs> Since yeah. 2012, that's only that's eight, eight years. years that, that brettterpshire.com has been around. Everything before that got lost to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as it happens, maybe maybe it will show up somewhere. <laughs> some well, point. I have archives of it. I've just never put it back uh, out there. <laughs> it would be interesting, like in in, in a couple <laughs> of years, to go back and then say, okay, what did I post like twenty years ago? <laughs> yeah, I should do a retrospective. <laughs> uh, so totally. it would it would be on brand for you, like. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, you could find this very podcast on foodieflashback.com and on Twitter at foodieflashback. And if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to talk about your weird mushy spinach that you had as a kid or the awesome food that you cooked uh, later uh, later in life, uh, absolutely, then uh, yeah, please reach out to me and we'll set something up. And then you can be here too. Like I'm, I'm looking for as diverse voices I, as I can find, uh, because everybody has a story, as I said. And yeah, I want to get them all. So stay tuned. I have a couple of people like in the pipeline that I'm really excited about, uh, other than Brett, uh, which I was very excited about. Um, now I've, I've people that never podcast have never done a podcast before, and that like those getting those people in is I think also important. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, with that, thanks, Brett, again for for doing this. And thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.